Welcome to the House for All Sinners and Saints podcast. We are a mission congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. The sermon is coming to you from Denver, Colorado. Grace, peace, and mercy is yours from the triune God. Amen. Some of you maybe remember that about four years ago, I went on a 48-hour silent retreat, uh, the first of what was to become twice-yearly periods of prayer and reflection for me. Now, before you get too impressed, you should know I only went that once. So my designation as a spiritual giant may have to be delayed once again. I went to a Catholic retreat house outside of town, and I was matched up for spiritual direction with a tiny little nun named Sister Eileen. I remember thinking it an absurd idea to take spiritual direction from someone I'd just met, because, you know, I'm complicated. Uh, Way too complex for someone to get me in an hour-long meeting. Uh, And it ends up I was right, because it didn't take an hour for her to get me. It took like five minutes for her to get me. See, I was hoping she'd give me some work to do, spiritual practices, stations of the cross, or say the Our Father, Lectio Divina. And instead, she looked me in the eye and she said, Nadia, I don't think you should do anything while you're here. I just want you to walk in the knowledge that God loves you, totally apart from anything you do or don't do. And I thought, man, that sounds terrible. And I was right, because seriously, as soon as I tried that, I started crying. For some reason, there was something painful for me about the idea of being loved completely apart from what I do or do not do. It's perhaps all we really want in life, and yet the prospect of it stung. I'm not even sure why. Maybe because it only highlighted how much being loved apart from what we do or don't do is rarely something we ever encounter in life. There seems no time of year when this is more real than Christmas. Personally, Christmas time is really hard for me. And it's not because of, like, my family drama or that dull pain that so many of you carry because of family and friends and lovers who have died. Christmas time is hard for me because so many of you go home to situations where no one really sees you, where no one gets you. It's just painful for me knowing so many of you have to spend the holidays with people who, for some unfathomable reason, have no idea how amazing you are and have no idea how to love you well. Every year, I unsuccessfully launch a you-really-don't-have-to-go-home-for-Christmas campaign. (laughs) I mean, I understand that family dynamics are complicated and that there are good reasons for connecting with even the most difficult of families. But sometimes I feel like I just can't handle one more story of the genderqueer daughter getting a pink scarf from her mom for Christmas, or the vegetarian getting steak knives from their parents. Or on the other side of things, the adult child who you pay to fly home and then they never spend any time with you while they're here. So it's in the new year, the time when we are both returning from spending the holidays with our families and are resolving to improve ourselves resolving, and perhaps already failing, to be more awesome, to be more beautiful, to be more disciplined, which is, of course, to say, to be more worthy of love. Yeah, it's this time of year when we are recovering from perhaps not being loved well, trying to forget all the ways we too have not loved others well, 
and are busily trying to do things to make ourselves more worthy of love, that we hear this text from Matthew about the day when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan. It is this story, which is a story of pure gospel love, which is quite different than the awkward conditional love we so often give and receive. The story itself is amazing. We're told that like basically everybody was flocking to the Jordan River to get baptized by John. A mass of unwashed sinners all crowding around, waiting their turn. Sun beating down, mosquitoes buzzing, children screaming. I imagine it was a serious horde of people. See, John the Baptist had been preaching about preparing the way of the Lord and yelling for repentance, and so people were coming in droves to get that fresh start. They carried in line with them all the things they had done and not done, all their sins and betrayals and misdemeanors. John's arms had to have been tired from baptizing baptizing that many people, tired from preparing the crowd for the big thing God was about to be doing in their midst. One person after another, preparing that one for the Lord, and then the next one for the Lord, and then holy moly, the next one is the Lord. What's hilarious about the fact that the next guy in line to be baptized was Jesus is that, get this, John the Baptist tries to talk Jesus out of what Jesus is trying to get him to do, which, take my word for it, doesn't work. I've tried it. So John gives in and baptizes Jesus, and then things get crazy. The heavens open, the spirit descends, and God speaks. It's like the heavens could not contain the gospel love of God, and it just kind of had to spill out all over everything. You know, the one thing I love most about the baptism of our Lord text is not just that God the Father says, this is my son, the beloved with whom I'm well pleased, but that God says this before Jesus had really even done anything. Think about it. God did not say, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased because he's proved to me he deserves it. He's had quiet time with me each morning and always reads his Torah, and because, boy, can he heal a leper. No. As far as we know, Jesus hadn't even done anything yet, and he was called Beloved the one in whom the Father was well pleased. That's God for you. I mean that literally. That is God for you. Because in your baptisms, God proclaims that in you, his beloved children, God is also well pleased. In the waters of your baptism, God claimed you and named you as God's own, whether it was as an infant or a youth or as an adult, whether your baptism happened in a church you can't even remember, or in a river at summer camp, or in a church you love, or in one that no longer allows you to take communion there. Your baptism, no matter the circumstance, was most certainly an act of God upon you. Not an act of faith that you or someone else was giving to God. Baptism is God's act of gospel love. And as is my tradition, whenever preaching about baptism, here's my standard offer. If you have never been baptized, we have water right here, plenty of it. Come find me during open space, and we'll totally do it right now. Because you already belong to God. You are already God's beloved. That's a Lutheran altar call. (laughs) 
I heard a story a few months back on the radio about how studies have been done where elementary school teachers were told at the beginning of the term that certain children in their classroom were gifted, regardless of the actual capacity of these children. And the study showed that by the end of the year, those kids were scoring off the charts from their peers. They became what they were believed to be. And God is like that. God's like a teacher who's been duped into thinking you're gifted and then treats you like you're special, and then that's what you end up being. I was in a 12-step meeting the other day when one of the old guys, like this guy has been sober since before Jesus was born, and something so simple and something so casual, but something that made me shake my head came out of his mouth. It made me wonder what it would be like if we all really believed it. As we were all discussing what our higher power is like, what the God of our understanding is like, he said this, I don't know about you, but my God's crazy about me. I couldn't stop thinking about that. For for most of my life, I've heard the saying, God loves you, but it always feels like an empty slogan, like, don't worry, be happy or something. For someone to say, God, or Nadia, God loves you, feels almost like compulsory on the part of God. Like, God loves me kind of because he has to since I'm one of his kids. But to say God is, my God is crazy about me, I don't know, that's different. That feels like the kind of love that heaven can't contain, that spills out over everything. The kind of love you can walk around a Catholic retreat house being aware of. A love that is yours quite apart from what you do or you don't do. The kind of love that breaks your heart and then makes it bigger. A love that can create belovedness in the one it rests upon. Beloved of God, be loved. Just sit and be loved, even if it hurts. Just sit and be loved and be the beloved of God. For this is what pleases him. Amen. This has been the House for All Sinners and Saints podcast. If you would like to know more about our community, please visit us online at houseforall.org. If you'd like to support House, you may do so through PayPal by clicking on our website's drop-down menu entitled Get Involved and click on Give. Uh, Don't worry, we'll keep the podcast free. If you'd like to join us for worship, House for All Sinners and Saints Eucharist service takes place Sundays at 5 p.m. at St. Thomas Episcopal Church in the Park Hill neighborhood of Denver, Colorado. We hope to see you there.